Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Caught! Touchdown! Kansas City! Hey, Chiefs Kingdom, we have you covered. Joining Sports Daily Live, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel. And we welcome in Dan Israel for our weekly visit. Dan, welcome in, welcome back uh, to the program this week as we come off of a a big and an impressive uh, win last week. The Chiefs getting it done. Uh, what do you think of that Chargers game? Let's start there. Um, you know, it was one of those Chargers games, right? You got the last minute comeback by Patrick Mahomes, and it was all there in a, in a really exciting and fun game as these typically are. But I, I think probably up there at Arrowhead is pretty happy outcome for everybody and, and just kind of move along. You know, I was talking to Chris Collinsworth of NBC's Sunday Night Football, and he said, uh, I said, what do you expect to, to see tonight? And he said, well, there's a reason they flexed this game into to prime time, and sure enough, the Chiefs didn't disappoint. Those Chiefs-Chargers games, the Chargers are built to, to you know, compete against the Kansas City Chiefs, and, and so every time these two teams go together, I just feel like you're going to – the last man with the football is the one that's going to win it, and it happened to be the Chiefs. Uh, I, I thought for sure that, you know, L.A., it's it's surreal there because SoFi is a huge stadium, but there were moments where it felt like a home game to me, and I was just shocked by that. And so at the end, when they scored, they threw that big long pass to Keenan Allen, and uh, you could almost hear the the air come out of the crowd. And I thought, well, that feels home like. And then when Travis Kelsey scored, the you know, place erupted. It was like, okay, this is a home crowd. It's crazy, but uh, yeah, back and forth and back and forth. I. Kelsey's the uh, Chargers killer. That's all there is to it, man. He He's put the spear right through their heart three times in a row, three years in a row now out there. And I just feel like uh, they they get motivated. It's funny. We talk about the, the, the Raiders being our rivals, but the Chargers right now are really the competition uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, Dan, I feel like we're running out of uh, superlatives to, to say when we're talking about Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey Mahomes is 14-0 and in his career in divisional road games, which is just remarkable. And then, of course, what Travis Kelsey has done this season. How do you put into words what we're seeing with both of these guys? Mahomes has got to be the presumptive MVP favorite right now. And then, of course, Travis Kelsey already matching his career high in touchdowns, and there's still seven games to go. How do you put that into words? Yeah, I, I'm struggling with it as well. It is, you know, we've watched this guy. We've talked about his athleticism. He is a, a, a intelligent quarterback. He his memory is amazing, um, but he continues to defy. He and Kelsey, as a combo, continue to uh, have this synergy that is just unbeatable. And at some point, they're on the same page with their interpretation of the defense on so many plays that it just makes it impossible for them. Uh, for defenses to to combat them at least all game long. I mean, you can stop them here and there. You can force the Chiefs to be three and out, uh, you know, in a couple of different possessions. But eventually, they're going to find an opening and 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 go after it. I, I I love the persistence that both of these guys have. They just won't quit until they found a way to take advantage of you. And and somehow they they're able to do this in sync with one another 
in a nonverbal kind of way. It's just amazing to watch. And frankly, you guys know my history. I mean, I've been covering this team for 35 years, and I, I don't know that I've seen anything like this in the league. I mean, this is Montana Rice-like. Uh, I, I just it, – it's fascinating. It's such a fun thing to be a part of, but I, I really think from a Chiefs fan's standpoint – we need to look at these guys as uh, uh, really special. It won't last forever. You know, Coach Reed said it the other night, right? He said, it's not going to last forever. I want to enjoy every single play. That's kind of the way I feel when they're out there. It's like, well, they're going to do something in a game that's going to impress you, but these are two first ballot Hall of Famers, no question about it. Well, and they're going to need it, too, because we see now Kadarius Tony leave the game with injury to a hamstring. Always been a concern for him as a player in his brief time in the NFL. Uh, so, you know, now potentially Juju's down, Hardman's down. He went to IR. You've got Tony down. Uh, you know, we finally saw Sky Moore step up a little bit there, but they're running out of bodies at this point. Dan, how concerning is that wide receiver room just in depth at this point? Yeah, no, it's a real good point. I, I, I think we looked at originally and said, you know, you're carrying six receivers, you know, or seven receivers now, and, and that just seems like an inordinate amount of bodies, but uh, it's pretty banged up. And I think one thing, you know, that that's a – an alarming is probably too strong a word, but I think one area of concern is that the Chargers are a team that we thought we could run on. They, they're very depleted from a defensive line. Uh, you know, really throwing on the Chargers kept them in a in a 34 defense, which was better than their 43 defense for them because they didn't have the linemen. So it was it was really a team that if the Chiefs were ever going to run the football, you need to run the football against these guys. And so uh, that is not going to be the case going forward. However, if you look at the schedule going forward, it's a lot tougher on the Chargers than it is for us, for sure. And and I think, you know, one of the things that the Chiefs will have a couple of teams here in Denver uh, and the Raiders that they can, um, you know, they can take some time and they don't have to. It's not going to be quite the full court press that some of these other teams, well, at least that's the way it would seem. I mean, you don't want to fall into a trap. I get that. But uh, hopefully they can get some of these guys back, Juju back, and, and, you know, it'll be four weeks for sure for McColl. So he's gone for sure. But, yeah, that's an area of concern. Dan, you mentioned the running game a moment ago, and Clyde Edwards-Elaire exited with an ankle injury. But Isaiah Pacheco had another really good game, rushed for over 100 yards, averaged over seven yards a carry. I mentioned this on the show yesterday that I feel like when he runs, he's he's angry at the ground. Like that's just the way that he runs so forcefully. <laughs> yeah. um, w- take a take a minute to assess what you're seeing from Pacheco and just overall the way that this running back room is playing out. Well, I, I think the big, you know, the the headline with Pacheco is how did this guy go in the seventh round? But I I just I'm fascinated by watching how eager he is to learn and how many people are are working with him. I mean, he is surrounded by a village just because of the structure of the Chiefs, and he's absorbing all of that. And and when you talk to him in the locker room, he's very um, quiet and, and you know, uh, kind of demure. <laughs> it's not the way he runs, man. When he's out on the field, he's explosive. And, and I love that second gear that he's got. It just seems to be one of those guys that – and the extra weight doesn't doesn't hurt, right? I mean, you're talking about an extra 20 pounds on a running back, and and he's probably not King Henry size, but he's not King Henry size, but he's definitely a bigger back. And I, I feel like the those two things, speed and in in size, are always 
amazing to watch in the NFL. And when you get a guy who can mentally put it all together and use those two assets, it's a dangerous thing. And he's one of those guys. I really feel like we haven't seen the best of Isaiah Pacheco yet. And that's probably the best thing you can say. Yeah, he's he's been a development. And, you know, it. it I guess we can just keep rotating guys through at every position because, you know, the injuries keep happening. But we're not talking a lot about them because here we go. They score, you know, 27 points and then 30 points. And it's the Rams this weekend, Dan. Dan Israel of the Chiefs Radio Network. I don't know what to make of the Rams this year other than they're way banged up and they're nothing like they were a year ago. And the Chiefs are back home. And this ought to be a game that they take care of business and just keep on rolling. We know how good Kansas City, we've heard all about it, right? This time of year, November, December, Patrick Mahomes has never lost a road divisional game. But this is the time of year they get hot, and this feels like uh, a very big opportunity for the Chiefs to make a major, major statement with a big, comfortable win this weekend. Yeah, it certainly does, and and I'm with you. I, the Rams are stunning to me, and it's not uncommon for this the Super Bowl hangover to affect teams. You know, a lot of times, but usually when you see that, it, it comes more, in my opinion, it comes more from guys go, okay, I've got a ring now, I'm going to go get some money, and so teams kind of fall apart there. You know, you lose a lot of players. That hasn't necessarily been the case with them. I, I do realize, that, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. isn't there, but. Uh, it's just been their identity is a they don't look anything like a Super Bowl champion. You watch them play and you think, wow, this team has Aaron Donald on it still. It still has Stafford, who I, I get, you know, may not play against us due to the concussion protocol. But uh, it, it's just amazing to watch. Now they will be without Cooper Cup as well. So uh, I think they're so banged up. I can't imagine they're not playing well. Their their star players are either gone or banged up. And it's just a rest there in Arrowhead. It's a recipe for a loss to the Los, Los Angeles Rams in, in, a, in a Chiefs easy victory. But uh, I'm sure the Chiefs won't look past them because Aaron Donald is a beast. You have to, you know, you don't want to get Mahomes hurt. You've got to make, you've got to do something to, uh, to, to combat the, the, what would be nice, honestly, if, if they could go out there and just run the ball against the Rams and really get the clock to get going. And you know, that would be nice for a change. Take a rest. take some of the pressure off the wide receiver uh but i i can't expect that the rams can mount enough of of an offense to to beat the chiefs this weekend for sure well dan i can't believe that uh, i'm the one asking this question and not jacob because i don't know if you knew this but he is a huge sky Moore fan and we've been talking week in and week out about where sky Moore falls in the the depth chart when it comes to the wide receivers and then of course the the issues he had in the punt return game out of necessity Kansas City needed him on Sunday night and he stepped up in a big way with five passes 63 or five catches uh, 63 yards Uh, just a, a great game for him and some of the routes that he ran I felt like were super crisp and he looked like he's been playing in the NFL for several years with the routes that he ran how impressed with you uh, how impressed were you on the development with Sky Moore and what we saw on Sunday night? You know, and Tommy, it's not just it, – it's it's strange the way that works, too, because when you're you're working a playbook, let's say you're a Z receiver, they may have moved him on some of those routes to an X or a Y because of the, the injuries, and so he's actually learning new routes along with that. So, yeah, it was a good day for, for Sky for sure. You know, I mean, I think they, they've kind of set the – 
the the whole return thing aside for now and just said, hey, let's get this guy out on the field. Let's get him back in with the confidence of seeing the speed of the game and and getting used to being out there and under the pressure. And and if they can continue this path with him to develop, I think we'll see the potential that we saw in camp. We always say camp doesn't lie, right? I mean, we, we talked about in camp some of the things that we saw. Isaiah Pacheco was one of them. Chris Jones was another. Frank Clark was another. And Sky Moore was the one thing that really we haven't, achieved from what we thought we would have coming out of 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 st joe in in july and august and so it was very encouraging to see him out there catching the he had a big catch uh clutch catch and i think if they can do that again with him this week it's just going to further his confidence i feel like what's missing with sky Moore right now is that confidence that he can play on the national football league field and once he gets that i think you'll start to see the real sky Moore come out over on the other side of the ball, Dan, it, it we we knew that the secondary was going to be a question this year. I don't know what to take out of the last game when Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, for the very brief time they were on the field together, the, the Charger pass game looked pretty effective. Now, as Mike Williams exited the game, the Chiefs sort of got a grasp. How confident are you as we are over the halfway point now in this Chiefs secondary, its growth, and and how good it's playing at this point, how much better does it need to play if the Chiefs want to win a Super Bowl? Uh, that's a good question. I, I would I tell you this, you know, uh, I think the Chargers, if they were healthy, the duo of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams is a deadly one. I, I just feel like when those guys get on the same page with, and Herbert's got an arm, man, so uh, that is maybe one of the most powerful uh, you know, you, you, can, you can look at the, the Bills, and, and certainly Allen has that with Diggs, uh, but I, I feel like those two are just veteran, um, you know, receivers in this league. So the fact that they can combat that with, with uh, the situation being the way it was with injuries, you know, a guy like Keenan Allen is going to beat you at some point in the day a couple of times. I think overall the Chiefs defense did pretty good. The one thing that amazes me about the Kansas City Chiefs defense and these young guys is in the fourth quarter when they decide to, to clamp down, when they decide to close those vice grips, man, it pops and, and they <laughs> they just seem to get violent. And I, I, I'm always impressed with how they can dial up the heat when it's needed most. So I guess that part's encouraging. I think you're right. As you head into the playoffs, you're just going to face better and better teams, right? There's nothing. There's no question about that. And, and so they're going to have to be better but they're also going to have another six, seven games of experience under under their belt. And so it's hard to say at the end of an NFL season, you know, if you take a guy who's a rookie, it's hard to say, okay, you've got you know, 17 games under your belt now. You're not a rookie anymore. I mean, practically, right? I mean, the, the thing you're probably fighting the most is playing as many games as you've played because they don't do that in college. We don't have the rookie wall like we used to. I'm not sure exactly why that is, if it's conditioning or if it's the fact that we don't practice as hard in the NFL as we used to, but it doesn't seem like rookies like kind of just flame out at, at week 10, like it used to be. But uh, I, I really feel like they're, they're, they're continuing to learn and they're continuing to see uh, some of the best arms in the league. Uh, I don't know who they're going to face in the playoffs, but you know, if it's Ryan Tannehill, uh, Lamar Jackson, these guys arms aren't any better than Josh Allen's or, or Justin Herbert's, you know, in my opinion. So uh, I, I'm, I'm confident in it. I think they just didn't need to continue continue the path they're on one more from me dan we all know the the dominant player that uh chris jones is and has been for a long time 
five tackles from him on Sunday night, two sacks, including the one uh, in that final drive from the Chargers on Justin Herbert on first down. But I really felt like Nick Bolton, I mean, obviously he led the team in tackles, had that game ceiling interception at the end of the game. Is it fair is it fair to say that he's playing at an all pro level right now? What do you think about what he's <laughs> doing on the defensive side of the ball? I think it's more than fair, man. I, I'm telling you, I'm ready to print a t-shirt that says, I love Nick Bolton, man. I love watching this kid play. I, he, he was exciting last year. And you kept thinking, well, how, how good is he going to get? And I, I, I think he is a game-changing kind of player. You know, we always looked at Derek Johnson that way as a, you know, boy, he's uh, he's everywhere he needs to be. And Nick Bolton has just got an he's got a football IQ. He's got a nose for the football, and he plays defense with a intensity that I think you need to play at linebacker. He reminds me a little bit of Willie Lanier in that he he plays when he goes. Willie is I don't know if you guys have ever talked with Willie Lanier, but one of the things about Willie is he's not really emotional when he plays. He's very analytical when he plays, but he plays so hard that you would call it violent and vicious, but it's not really, it doesn't have any of that emotion behind it. It's just a physicality. And that's the way Nick is. He's a very uh, a level-headed kind of individual. He just plays very physical. And so I love Nick Bolton. I love what he's been able to do. I think it frees up the other two linebackers to, to do their thing. And they're, they're each a little different, right? Especially Willie Gay Jr., and so, but he has been a, his nose for the football, man, is not going to, that's nothing that's going to vanish in the next few years. We're going to continue to see Nick Bolton make these huge plays, uh, not just game enders like this one, but uh, any, if you, you know, you watch the end of that, that ball's being tipped around and he's almost tracking again, that they all, they have the chiefs defensive philosophies. Let's get the hats to the football, right? So everybody pursues the football. Uh, you saw Chris Jones come all the way out to the edge and tackle Herbert, right? Uh, but Nick Bolton has been one of those guys who just he's been he puts his body where it needs to be when it needs to be there. And I think that's one of the exciting things about it. And I'll add in there, you know, this coming Sunday, we we talk about Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. We talk about Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen duos this coming Sunday. It's going to be Aaron Donald versus Chris Jones. I really think Chris Jones is playing at that Pro Bowl level as well. But, yes, absolutely, Nick Bolton is, a, is at an all-pro level. All right, Dan, uh, you guys have the call uh, right here with us on our family of networks. It's a 325 kick. Uh, what can we expect on the broadcast this weekend? We'll have another good one for you. We're going to look back at uh, a few things, but uh, I think the most exciting part is uh, Nostradamus, man. Stay tuned for Tane and Hughes. He is pulling these things out of thin air from pregame. I love it. His predictions have been coming true, so be listening to Dane and Hughes to see what he's going to, what Jim he'll give you. All right. Uh, we're looking forward to it, looking forward to another Chiefs win and uh, getting back to it. Dan, we always appreciate these visits. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, same to you guys. Happy holidays. All right, there goes Dan Israel. We're going to take a quick break. 869-1240, open for some calls from you if you'd like to make them. Tommy and I will be back. Jad Chambers producing Sports Daily continues after this. Sports Daily is on KFH. 
Basketball fans can turn a loss into a win with the king of sportsbooks. Just place a single first basket score prop bet on any NBA game. If your bet loses, you'll receive up to $25 back in free bets. Wager confidently and take your game to the next level with BetMGM, an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Turn game time into showtime with BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager and physically present in Kansas to bet. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Uh, We'll talk a little about the World Cup. I don't know how much soccer Tommy knows, but the U.S. played yesterday. They played to a draw with Wales. We'll we'll get to that later. Let's talk about American football first, Tommy. Um, You know, you and Paul went over this, I know, in detail yesterday. But just... Want to reshuffle again as we do, try to get a grasp of who the top team in the league is. Um, I mean, I think it's the Chiefs right now, clearly. But how much room for wiggle is there among probably the top, I don't know, six, seven? We saw San Francisco look really impressive last night, which is sort of what we're expecting them to play themselves into. But I got to tell you, based on what we've seen this year, I don't think there is an overwhelming favorite. I'm going to give you a list of teams that I think legitimately could win a Super Bowl if they stay healthy and they get the right set of playoff circumstances as far as weather, etc. The Chiefs obviously are one of those teams. I think the Eagles are one of those teams. I think the Dolphins are one of those teams. I think the Bills are obviously one of those teams. I think after what we saw from the Cowboys, they're probably one of those teams. The Titans are one of those teams. The 49ers are one of those teams. Then you get into a group probably that includes the Ravens and the Vikings and the Bengals. And I think you could see perhaps if healthy those teams making a run. Yeah, the Chiefs are the favorite, but it sort of feels... And it gets more and more every week wide open to me right now in the NFL. Yeah, I thought it was surprising. And Paul and I did talk about this yesterday, that two of the teams that we've considered at the very top of the NFL really struggled on Sunday. The The Eagles needed a late, a late touchdown at the very end of the game to defeat the Indianapolis Colts led by Jeff Saturday and they got the win, right? A win's a win, but they struggled uh, mightily in, in making that happen. And then the Buffalo bills, obviously we know that they had to move their location to, to Detroit. Their weekly planning was probably off all of that. Um, they ended up pulling away from the Browns, but at least early on, they didn't look great. And uh, that was a must win for Buffalo because they had dropped their previous two in a row. So I think that those two teams, that was surprising. And then um one of the questions that I posed to Paul was after the result of the Cowboys and Vikings, where the Cowboys got their largest road victory, I think ever by a final score of 40 to three against the Vikings who were eight and one. My question was, have we been undervaluing the Cowboys and overvaluing the Vikings this entire season? I think the answer is probably yes. And yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, if the, if the outcome of the fourth quarter, if the fourth quarter against the Packers, which was an absolute meltdown that I can't figure out for the, from the Cowboys, if that doesn't happen and they're sitting 8-2 and two after what they did to Minnesota, honestly, they'd probably be number two on everybody's power rankings this week. 
maybe still behind Philadelphia, but but if you're legitimately watching games play out, the Cowboys have looked better, I think, than the Eagles for a little while. Um, and remember when they played, the Cowboys didn't have Dak Prescott at that point yet either. So, yeah, I, I do think that maybe we overreacted to what happened at the end of the Packers game. But I do also think that that tells us that the Cowboys are vulnerable. And every team is vulnerable, though. Like, literally every team we just rattled off, including the Chiefs, are vulnerable right now. I don't know what happens in that Chiefs-Chargers game if Mike Williams doesn't get hurt. Uh, because the Chargers were really moving the ball early in that game. So, uh, and and what's interesting this year, too, is I think that let's take a team like the Chargers, right? And I think the Bengals belong in this conversation, too. If you get healthy, right, in the playoffs, those can be anybody. If Jamar Chase comes back for the Bengals, if, if the Chargers get their full complement of receivers back, like, those are teams that could beat anybody at any point. So... I don't know that we're going to see what this, you know, maybe whatever happens out of the NFC South, right? Unless the Buccaneers turn it around, which also probably is within the realm of possibility. I, I don't know that we're going to see any team enter the playoffs this year where you're like, oh, they don't stand a chance against whoever it is that they happen to be playing that week. It's wide open. And just remember that the Bengals made a run to the Super Bowl last year. The Chiefs are the favorite. There's no doubt about it. The Chiefs have to stay healthy, though. Um, they, you know, they've got some things to work through, but I do think they're the most complete team right now. Man, I, I just I love it because you can make a case for almost half of the league right now that they could legitimately, the way we've seen the NFL play out this year, that they could get in there and make a run in the postseason and win. I, I mean, it's wild to me. Yeah, I'm going to make a bold prediction right now on, what is it, November 22nd at 1030 in the morning. I think we're on a collision course right now for a Super Bowl rematch with Kansas City and San Francisco. Now, I know that there are other teams in the NFC, um, like the Cowboys we've talked about. The Eagles are, you know, still, what, they're 9-1 and one after this week. Um, I get it, and the, the 49ers record doesn't show how good they are and how, how yeah, I don't talented care about they've record. gotten. Right. I mean, of course, like I think they get overlooked because they don't have a record like the Eagles or a record like even the Vikings at this point. But from a talent perspective, I would take the talent that San Francisco has right now over the Vikings. And I've been high on the Vikings all season. I mean, what they were able to do by bringing in Christian McCaffrey, that's a game changer for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. And then you add in Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. And, okay, Jimmy G, with lots of conversations about Jimmy G sure. this entire season, four touchdowns, zero picks last night. After what they did to the Cardinals, and I know the Cardinals are not a good football team right now. Colt McCoy uh, started at quarterback last night for them. That's not a, a recipe for success. I get it. But they were dominant. The 49ers were last night on Monday Night Football. So I think as of now, I know that you're you're a Cowboys fan. I get it. And I get where uh, what they've been able to do recently with Dak back and what the defense has been able uh, to do with Micah Parsons and all of that. Uh, I think we're on a collision course, though, for the Chiefs and 49ers. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I, I think that's a solid prediction. I think I think they'll end up being the favorites when the playoffs come around out of each conference. I don't care about the Niners' record necessarily because I think what they do plays anywhere. Uh, don't really care about home field for them, right? They, they're, they're going to be really interesting to watch, and we're all focused on the offense and how versatile and creative it can be, and it will be, and that's that's a strength certainly. 
But what I started to see last night again was a return of that really dominant defense. I mean, they were they were nasty last night. And Colt McCoy didn't look bad, I didn't think. I mean, he looked like he was hurting bad because the Niners were just demolishing him. Uh, but that defense matters when we get to the playoffs. We know that, right? You have to be playing good defense late uh, if you want to achieve what you're going to achieve ultimately. And the Niners and the Cowboys both are going to, we think, be playing really high-level defense at that point. I think both conferences are wide open. I think we are also going to see the Chiefs' defense get a little better as the season goes on, as we have already. And then the Bills are going to be right there, and we'll probably forget about them. They'll get healthy, and then they'll be awesome. It depends on the health of Josh Allen's arm. I get it. You got to have him healthy, right? But but they're going to be in the mix, too. It just It's wide open. I mean— you, you want to make a bet on a Super Bowl winner and you go with anybody in that 10 or so teams we mentioned, I, I don't think you're crazy. I mean, I really don't. There isn't a team in that list that if you put them against any other team, that team in the NFL this year, to me, does not exist. You can take any team on that list. Who who would be the who would be the bottom end of that list? The Bengals, probably. You know, the, the Bengals yeah. are in the mix, we think. You're telling me Maybe you don't the think Titans. the Titans. I mean, I, I think the Titans are talented. Um, I think they're up I, above. I think they're at an. Let's say. Let's say it's the Bengals, the Titans, the Ravens, right? Yeah. Uh, sure. Whoever, you're telling me you don't think one of those teams could beat the Chiefs on a, on any given Sunday? Well, the Bengals did in the AFC Championship game last year yeah, right. at Arrowhead. So it's happened before. Um, you know, wacky things happen when you get into January. That's uh, that. That's absolutely for sure. I think that if you're looking at the, on the other side of the equation, if you're looking at the NFC. Um, probably the Vikings are at the, the bottom end of that. Um, the Buccaneers, maybe, depending yeah. on if, if Tom Brady can will them to, to playoff wins. That can always happen. I, you know, I'm not going to count that out uh, at all. Um, I don't know. I think that it's because we have this kind of parity. Uh, and I don't know if we really ever – I can think of a handful of seasons where there's been one team – that has just absolutely blown out everybody. Like you think of the undefeated season that the Patriots had back in what right. 2007 when they lost in the Super Bowl to the Giants. You knew going into every game they were probably going to win it. That was just the way that it was. Um, there's more parity this year. I think that you probably feel the most confident about Kansas City right now. I think you did feel that way about Buffalo up until the last three weeks or so, where they've started to show some chinks in the armor a little bit. Um, but I mean, ultimately, I, I there is a decent amount of parity, and the way that this this year has played out in the NFL, um, wild things have happened. I mean, look at for instance, one of the things I I thought about the New York Giants are seven and three, and I don't feel like anybody has necessarily bought in to the Giants being a legitimate contender right now. I think that they can be with Brian Dable and what he's building, but seven and three feels a little fool's goldish right now. And I say that because off. right because they played off. they played the Lions and they got yeah. blown out by two touchdowns against the Lions on Sunday. So there's a lot of parity and teams can beat, you know, even you know, some subpar teams can beat good teams. That's kind of what we're seeing right now. I, I'll write the Giants off. They're not a real contender. Um they're, they're, that that's I mean, you gotta get to there though, where you're like, Yeah, that team's not gonna win a Super Bowl. Giants yeah. aren't gonna win a Super Bowl. Um but there's a lot of teams that could. Like a lot. And and I don't I could just be living in the now and reacting to what has been a very unpredictable NFL year anyway. 
But man, it feels like more teams have a shot this year. And I'm not there saying there haven't been that, years yeah. where where teams we didn't expect to go go. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying ten weeks into a season, I don't remember a lot of years where we're like, my goodness, this like look at how many teams we look at right now that could. That doesn't mean a team hasn't made a crazy run in the past. I mean what we think is happening feels wide open right now. In this part of the world, everyone's going to perceive the Chiefs as this juggernaut, and they are to some degree, but I don't think that they're overwhelmingly better than the field right now. I don't think anybody is. I do think they're favorite, but man, I think the field is tight right now, one through, I don't know, 12. And even beyond that, probably what, 13 through 18 or 19, there are a handful of teams that have winning records right now that I don't think anybody would think that they've got a chance to win a Super Bowl, but they're they're winning football games. We mentioned the New York Giants. I don't think anybody thinks that the Washington Commanders, who have a 6-5 and five record and are over 500, will win a Super Bowl, but there they are with a winning record. Also, in the AFC East, both the Patriots and the Jets have records of 6-4 and four right now. Two games over 500, both of them, in the hunt for the playoffs. I'm not sure anybody is confident that either one of those teams will win a Super Bowl this year. So there are a lot of teams that I would say are above average and are dangerous that can play spoiler, that can win football games, and it's going to make the next month and a half or so really interesting to watch it all play out. Yeah, it will, and, and injuries are going to play the biggest factor, as they always do. They'll have the biggest impact on how this thing plays out. But, you know, we'll just keep watching and buckle up and enjoy the ride because the NFL season is always a blast, and it's always very different from week one to week 17. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll, we'll talk a little football now. Uh, you're talking to two guys who know almost nothing about it, so a couple of uh, a couple of Yankee, I guess we could call it, observations on the World Cup in the early stages. Coming right back at you on Sports Daily. Everybody, Sports Daily, Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster. We're going to venture into the unknown here and talk a little World Cup soccer. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I, I, I think I'm supposed to be proud of the Americans for playing to a draw. It felt like a game they should have won. I'm not sure what we are supposed to expect there. I, I bleed red, white, and blue. I want Team USA to do awesome. I love it. I want them to be great. I want them to win everything. I just have a hard time with expectations. Tommy, here's what it feels like to me. Like, what is Wales, right? Nobody even talks about Wales. It feels like a state in the United Kingdom to me. Um, I feel like us not being able to beat Wales by itself as the United States of America would be about like the United Kingdom getting a whole team together and not being able to beat I don't know, like the state of California or, or you know, something to that effect. I, I don't understand my geography well enough to be perfectly fair, but that seems like we ought to be able to beat just one of the countries out of the UK, right? Although England, I guess, is one of the best teams in the world usually. I just don't understand what sort of expectations I'm supposed to have on things like this. Yeah, I don't really understand the geography. I also 
don't really follow soccer a ton. So I'm looking at the stats from the draw yesterday and I'm trying to make sense of it. And I'll be the first to admit, I, I don't know. I don't know soccer like I should. But one thing that stands out to me that I feel like is significant, USA had possession for 59% of the time compared to 41% for Wales. So that's a basically a 60-40 split on possession. So you, I guess, can draw a conclusion from there that the USA probably should have had more opportunities to score. That's my complete basic having no idea what is going on kind of conclusion. Um, here's, but yeah, here's, I mean, we, here's why this bothers me, Tommy. Okay. There's 332 million people in the U.S. Okay, Wales essentially has the population of the state of Kansas. There's 3 million people. 3.1 million in Wales. There's 2.9 million in the state of Kansas. How is it that this happens to us? We How can we not pull, and my, my buddy just texted me and said Wales has a couple of studs. That's fine. We got 10 times, 11 times the, the player pool to pull from with the best facilities in the world. I just don't understand this. How we wouldn't be favored over a, over a team or a whatever squad, whatever they're called in soccer, like Wales. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Can I read you the, this is the post-match commentary, and I think this, I read it to myself, and I still don't know what it means, but I'm going to read it out loud and see if you can draw anything from it. A typical game of two halves ends in a one-to-one draw after the U.S. dominated the first half with a live wire display, and Wales fought back via a more direct approach after the interval. I, I, don't, I don't know what that means, um, but ultimately it ends in a one-to-one draw. Yeah, I don't know what that means either. I, I Look, I'm not trying to be, you know, cute here when we're talking about this. I legitimately can't understand what it is that keeps the USA from being better internationally on the men's side. I, I get that soccer isn't our main cup of tea. Like, I totally get that. But when we get onto these stages— the fact that these countries that are much, much, much smaller are able to have the level of success against us that they have blows my mind. I, I just cannot understand how that's possible. Well, who who was the last or has, has there been a homegrown U.S. soccer international star? Like somebody that is Pu- world-renowned. Pusilic or Pulisic or whatever his name is right now is that. Right, that, but world renowned from the U.S. I mean, I could. That's think him. Of, I mean, he all, is that. I get it, but but I think of guys like Messi and Beckham and like all these guys from. I mean, the the big names that none of them are from the U.S., but they are world renowned soccer, uh, football players. Uh, and I, I'm not sure that the the level is there in the U.S. to be able to have a significant amount of success in the world cup. And uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how the U S responds to this in pool play. Um, I, I think I saw yesterday that they've not won an opening match. This might be wrong, but they've not won an opening match since 2014. I think was the last time um, I could be getting that totally wrong, but I think that's what I read. So, I mean, th- there's a lot, there's a lot to be desired at this point. I mean, I'm looking at a list right now, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go down here and see. And ESPN listed the the top 50 players playing in the World Cup, 
and you know, I'm not seeing any anybody from the United States uh, in now the top ten. Uh, we're going to expand this out to the top twenty here. Should we be surprised? Like, I'm not even surprised by nothing. that. No, I'm not surprised either. I, what I'm surprised by is why can't we do this? Like, why? What? What do we need to do? I mean, I got my kids playing soccer. They're not going to be soccer stars. Like, what? What? What can happen? Because everybody's kids play soccer. Literally, everybody I know. Like every single person with kids. I played soccer. I, I their kids hated play it, but soccer. I played when I was a kid. Yeah, not one in the top fifty here. Not one in the yeah. top fifty. That's so then that, we how act does like that, how's that possible? Everybody acts like they're all surprised when you you end in a draw with Wales in the opening match. I, I mean, should we be surprised? I, I think it's this thought of like we're the USA. Like what? And I get that. I get that patriotism. I get that pride. I'm right there with you on that. But should we be surprised? I don't know. I, I don't know enough about soccer to say, uh, no, we shouldn't be surprised. But then when you look at, yeah, you break down the top 50 players and there's not a single American on it. I, it's hard for me to think that, that, that the team should be dominant. But we all play soccer. Like all the kids are playing soccer now. All of them. Well, I don't. I mean, come on. I don't. It's think not that, like we I mean, don't care not, about soccer. That's that was not a cause and effect for, kind of thing. You no, can't the, say that, all the kids are playing the, AYSO. That means that we should win the World Cup. I mean, come on. I'm not saying we should win the World Cup. I'm saying we should have one of the top 50 players in the world. We got 330 million people in this country, and literally everybody's kids play soccer. Like the the old reason people gave was that people don't care about soccer here. That is not the case anymore. Yeah. Like people love I soccer. I would agree with that. I just don't know what it is. Go red, white, and blue. Either way. I mean, it, it's fine. It's irrelevant to the fact that, you know, I'll beat my chest and sing the Star Spangled Banner every time they play. I get it. I just, I have a hard time understanding it. And it's a me problem, I guess. I don't know. Uh, we'll come back. We'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of Sports Daily next. <laughs> 